tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends. And do you ever find sometimes you need an alarm clock for your creativity, a wake-up call? Well, you've come to the right place today because we're going to be talking with an industrial designer and an overall creative leader, a real wake-up call to all the people who say, I wish there were a way to apply more of my creativity. My guest is Doug Patton. Well, thank you, sir. I look forward to talking to you today. It's going to be a fun conversation about creativity. That's one thing that is not in the news in our daily lives enough, creativity. It's something that could make everything better. It's something that kind of isn't taught in schools and isn't something that everyone thinks they're creative, but everyone is innately creative. It's just you know, what environment they grew up in that allowed it to not atrophy. There's so many opportunities for people to be more creative. Well, I can't wait to explore that. And listeners, Doug has been on ABC's American Inventor television series. He's created himself more than 300 products in 20 international market categories. And he published a great book last year called Conquering the Chaos of Creativity. Doug, I heard one reviewer call this a uh, textbook, but fun. You've called it a map to creativity and this alarm clock idea. Why do we need to make sense of the chaos that we often think of creativity? Uh, Those are some big questions. I wish I had like a day to discuss it, but chaos for me has always been a place of freedom. It's a place where there are no boundaries, where there are no rules, where one can think of new ideas without linguistic boundaries, without cultural boundaries. It is a place where, where one's own construct can be erected. I kind of look at it metaphorically, like if you're building a space station in outer space, there's no gravity. You could make it whatever you want. It's this free space with no constraints. The hard part is, is that creativity with some people is is frightening. And that chaos comes with creativity. It's a new realm. It's like exploring a new forest or a new area. And what is very important is that one doesn't get lost in that chaos. And one of the reasons I wrote the book is for people that have tried to be creative, but they somehow get lost in it and it becomes something that they pull away from. And what I'm trying to show, it's like if you've ever been to Hawaii, standing on a side of the ocean and it's blue and warm and inviting, that is what the chaos of creativity is. You just have to dive in. But metaphorically, what is an important aspect is that when you dive down and you see something sparkling, you know, about five feet down in the blue ocean, you know, you only take what you can carry up. And uh, that is probably one of the mistakes that a lot of people make when they first try uh, with creativity. They try to do too much. You have to, just like everything else, you have to keep it simple and build your ability to create. Well, you've certainly applied this. And and as I was saying in the opening, 300 products in 20 markets. And I look at uh, your work on your website, everything from Mercedes to life science companies to Disney and Apple. Do you have an approach then that you say going into almost any market project, you're saying, I need to simplify this. And as you were saying, make, make sense of some things here. What is your first step in getting into a design project? 
Well, I'm, I'm going to reply both intrinsically on how my mind works and extrinsically or, or externally on how I apply it. And I think that is one of the first lessons of creativity. You have to think of your own intrinsic method to keep yourself motivated to explore. And then the external way is how you bring it to the world, okay, and how you communicate it. Two very important things. That's what I call the yin and yang of creativity. Love it. Um, very, very important aspect. And one of the, that starts with the first chapter of my book. So what one has to do is become like a baby and presume you have no knowledge. One of the most important things when, when one is inventing is you assume you know something, that you're an expert, and you might obfuscate over an incredibly important detail. Look at a baby on how everything is new. Everything is exciting. You absorb it all. So that quality is always a, a priority when I start. I try to blank out my slate and see every detail as important. And as a baby accumulates a lot of knowledge, I accumulate things in patterns. And I have it in my book, I call uh, the thought molecule as atoms build into molecules, build into compounds, so do ideas. So there is a lot of parts of my book that are the internal part on how you can think, how you can be more creative, how you can use the psychology of your mind to propel yourself. But also in the book, it's now that you have some ideas, some concepts, how does it then at the very beginning uh, communicate that to everyone involved? For that, I've had to learn what I call the language of creativity, which is when I am communicating with people, I might have uh, uh, marketing people, computer scientists, engineers, artists, web designers, everybody speaks a different language. So I've had to learn that language and be a communicator. So when I speak a theory, it changes. If I'm speaking to a computer science person or I'm talking to someone who's in branding, so I've had to become a master of all these languages. It's, it's kind of like a, a, a translator of English, French, German, uh, Spanish. You have to be able to communicate. In order so, to speak to those various stakeholders. You know, yeah. I like what you're saying about the childlike innocence. I, I've had this effect for myself where you go into a project and you go, oh, I see it. I see, it couldn't be clear. It's so obvious. And yet, the more you dig, the more you listen, the more you learn, uh, you realize that your first instinct may not have been correct. Yeah. One of the most important aspects to expound on that theory is another part of one of my books where I talk about how one has to be incredibly sensitive to information. And it, I call it the incredible sensitivity of creative power, a delicate awareness Creativity's power is born from great sensitivity and awareness. And empowered correctly, this gift of kind of a sensitive fragility is immense, it's magnificent, and it's a force so strong it can overcome any problem. But the dangers of it, uh, many times it can crush you because it's so much information. Imagine like you turn on your water faucet at home and it just keeps filling your sink until it overflows. I've had to learn how to deal with that flow and how to digest it and protect that sensitivity I have. So that is the next level after pretending you are kind of like a newborn and see everything is this incredible sensitivity of creativity. It has to be 
well understood. And, and a lot of master creationists, uh, whether they're scientific or in music, tend to get over, they have no off switch. And mm -hmm. hence they use, they might use drugs or they might use other things to try to deal with it. And early on in my life, I was a child of, of the 60s, grew up near Haight-Ashbury and all that fun stuff. So early on, I really had to focus on how I handle that sensitivity and not go a negative direction. Yes, absolutely. Well, we've talked about the breadth of your work. And one of your current projects that you feature is a environmental fragrance air diffuser system which a uh, lot more than an air freshener, as I'm looking at this design, uh, you, you've even patented this idea of a combination of fragrance, art, and literature. Tell us about the product and, and again, how you've approached it and how you expanded it from simply sort of diffusing a fragrance into the air. Well, as I approach everything, I look at it on a multiple of patterns. I looked at it from the science of fragrance to other competitive products, to user needs, and then tried to, and, and looked at, at sociology of our culture. I mean, a lot of ideas start with that sociology. And uh, so I layer all those various paradigms together and create this new construct. And what this is basically is, uh, you know, I could discuss it on many levels, but I'll try to keep it short. Arome de Art is French for aroma and art. So what I, I wanted to do was when someone experiences, for example, one of our fragrances is uh, a lavender fragrance of France. Well, then we would have an Art Nouveau art piece that goes with the cartridge. So one now is experiencing art and the fragrance that goes with it. And then furthermore, along with it, has a heartwarming story that can transport your mind to, you know, the origins of the scent, something kind of romantic. And the important aspect of it is one of the things that I'm working on on many projects is a multi-sensorial product. Right now, we kind of have unisensorial where, you know, we just see it, we hold it. But, you know, in nature, we have fragrance, we have sounds, we have the wind. And most of us, you know, we, we work in an office, we drive in our car and we're separated from that human experience. So I'm trying to bring that back. And then one other little item is the artwork uh, with the fragrance cartridge is on the outside of the product. So it allows personification of mass production. So whatever art you like, you can have it on there. And, you know, we have, you know, right now the first branding is by country and seasons, but we're doing a Liechtenstein series, a Picasso, a Monet. So we're combining um, uh, this experience and that's how new products are invented. They, they combined areas that are, that are separate. And so far we just launched at CES this year and we're having an incredible amount of interest and success because no one has ever seen something like this. So now the energy is, how do you communicate that to the world, which I'm in the process of doing? And I love this idea of combining all these different uh, stimuli, all these different creative yeah. aspects of the world. Talk more about that. I mean, in this case, it's, it's fragrance, it's art and literature. Where else have you seen this combination of senses? It's happening in many areas, but I think it is a new uh, momentum that 
people are toying with and and trying like you see like on apps you're you're obviously connecting a visual with music you're creating many experiences on your phone certainly the phone is the focal point right now where you experience these multiples of, of things but I have to say that it is an area that is not expanding as a dynamic new cultural force, but it's just starting. I see that many people are thinking about it. The the first people doing it, like me, are changing the status quo. And the hardest thing in the world is to improve humanity because it's like a body uh, with white cells attacking whatever comes in it. It doesn't know whether it's good or bad, but trying to change the status quo of a market, of a world, is very, very challenging. But it seems that that is my uh, lot in life. Everything I do is innovative, and I've learned to just live on that edge of innovation. Mm-hmm. Well, another combination I was curious to ask you about, it. when I talked to my next guest, She is a singer-songwriter, but is also very deep into the business side of music. So I want to ask you about the business side of design, especially in your work in industrial design. So it's not just the creativity, but it's also the marketability. And as you mentioned, the communication, it's also pricing your services and marketing your services. Where, Where does that fit into your world? Yeah, that's a really important thing. It's fun to think about all the intrinsic user experience that us as people enjoy. To make it happen behind the scenes is a, when I I was talking about all the various uh, languages of creativity, others are, you know, financials, market cap, competitive price structures, patentability, supply chain management, engineering and for medical, you're going through whole FDA processes. I do a lot of medical products. So what I would say to that is one as a creationist has to also be a master of those languages. And when I create, I create companies like right now we have six startup companies. We have one that is going to save lives by regulating blood pressure with a vasopressor algorithm. Another one that will keep you warm on the operating table in a totally new way. Uh, another one that's going to be launching this year, it's going to, uh, one of my ideas will revolutionize ophthalmic surgery uh, for cataracts and, you know, the list, even Texas Lantern, a, a new faux flame lantern. So there's all these different things. One has to understand, is the market going to accept the product? And if it does, where does it stand in price point? And this is something, uh, one of the things I talk about which I call the triangulation of of innovation. It's kind of like a tripod. One of the tripods is a patent. Other one is the business objective. And the other one is the invention. And what I do, I circulate the idea through all those, those venues. Many times inventors or artists, they come up with an idea and say, I don't really care. You know, this is my creation. But the problem is it might not be patentable. So you create this idea and a big company takes it. You might create an idea and the business side says, well, that would be great, but it has to cost half that if it's going to be a success. And a patent person, you know, their job is not to invent. They just take your idea and and protect it. But that may not do the job because you have to look at the complete white space and protect everything around it. So what I do, I circulate the idea through these three 
pods of knowledge like osmosis. Mm -hmm. And as you circulate it, you finally get something that will be successful in all those modalities. And it gives you a model to go back and forth even knowing that the tripod can't stand on one leg, even two legs, right? So you yeah. keep having to check and test and go back and forth. I like that. Also mentioned in a lot of your other writing about mental strength and spiritual capacity or meditation as things to open your mind up. I also think of another guest, again, in music, but also drawing upon the chakras and uh, the powers of these spiritual tools. Do you also have these methodologies in your quiver? Yes, I have many creative arrows of different intent that I can launch off. There's many things that I, I have in my book. I invite people to find it and read it. It's kind of like a journey, not a destination, because I have areas in my book, if you're exhausted and you know, you're, you're full of failure, you know, you're having a hard time. If you want to ascend to higher levels, uh, there's something I call meditative problem solving. There's a psychology area that deals with your subconscious and conscious and ways to engage that process. Uh, one of the things just to allude to very quickly, I started uh, meditating in college when things were quite hard. And there was a guy who, who brought Siddha yoga to the United States. His name was Muktananda. And it just so happened in Los Gatos where I took it, he was coming every month and he had someone helping him named Percy Bulsara. And I've kind of combined over the years, this meditative experience with my creative process. And point in fact, there is a scientific theory uh, called the Safford-Whorf process that is called linguistic determinism, that you can't ever see beyond the culture or the language that you have. In creativity, this is a great limiting factor. If you look at what uh, the writings of, of Albert Einstein, he would always say that everything he created wasn't based upon mathematics or his, let's say, linguistic areas. He would call it ar architectures of thought, symbols right? And so I, in the book, have tried to create a way, processes to free your mind from these constraints, where you can safely go off and explore symbolic new ideas and new ways of thinking. And that really is the crux of the book, freeing your mind, creating an alarm clock to wake it up and pursue these many potential ways of being creative. Fantastic. Well, Doug, we've talked a lot about your book and uh, your work. I'd like to have you share with us where we can find out more about you and your work. And uh, of course, learn more about the book. Yeah, the book, you can go to Amazon and type in my name, Doug Patton, or Conquering the Chaos of Creativity and find it there. We also have our website, which is, I apologize for the length of it. It's conqueringthechaosofcreativity.com. Also, you can access some of this from our website, which is patentdesign.com. And you can see a lot of our published works and videos. And as I'm signing off, I would like to leave everyone with the idea that we are all innately creative and that we all have a capacity of great imagination. And however you can take the first step, take it, try to expand your creativity in any way you can. And for those expert, amazing creationists, scientists, musicians that are at the top of their form, I urge them to expand on their creativity and never let it go. Fantastic call to action. 
Doug, it's been informational, but also uh, motivational and inspirational to talk to you today. So thanks for coming on. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. And listeners, come back again. Doug's book is Conquering the Chaos of Creativity. And we feel like on this podcast, as Doug was listing off the kinds of creative practitioners that we talk to, from authors to singer-songwriters to CFOs that bring their creativity to their craft. That's what we want to continue to bring on this podcast. So join us again next time. We'll continue our creative travels. We've punched our creative passport in Southern California today. We'll be going from Austin to Spain in future episodes. So come on by and join us. This is Unlocking Your World of Creativity. I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll see you next time. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliQ Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. Our podcast is supported by Adobe in the Adobe Creative Cloud the world's best creative app and services, so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. We use Adobe to help make this podcast, using Audition, InDesign, and more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud, and let's make something better, unlocking your world of creativity.